turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. By the way, I want to challenge you, if you can, stay for the second service. I'm going to preach a message on what to do when your world falls apart. And how many of you know that most of us, are we are either going into a time of difficulty, we are going through a time of difficulty, or we are recently coming out of a time of difficulty. That, that you know, when I got saved, the, the gentleman that led me to the Lord sort of fibbed me. He didn't know he did. He said, well, now that you're saved, everything will be fine. Well, I want to tell you that uh, it's been 50 years since I got saved, and that hasn't been my life. My life has been total chaos. The closer I get to God, the worse it gets. The worse a word? I don't think so. But so anyway, in the second service, if you can stay, I think it will bless you. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Now, first of all, we need to get the picture. We need to understand who's speaking, when is he speaking, and what is he speaking about. Amen? We know here that this is Moses has gathered all the children of Israel together in one place. And he is relating to them what has happened to the Jews over the previous 40 years. Because the majority of the people that started out with Moses in Egypt are dead. And so Moses is trying to get this down inside them where they can tell their children and grandchildren about it. I have the sweetest little granddaughter. She's six years old. And uh, uh, she'll be here. No, she won't be here later today. But she's six years old, and every time we get together, I find a quiet time to sit down with her and to tell her about our family. You know, I say, I'm Pops. My dad was Granddaddy. And so I tell her about Granddaddy. My, I tell her about my great-grandfather and her great 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 grandfather and that in every generation for more than 500 years there is a preacher in the family i told her one day i said you know what that might be you now i don't want to destroy your doctrine here but i can't find anything in the bible says a woman can't preach if that bothers you you probably need to read your scripture a little better amen okay so to maintain a close walk with God, we must understand His covenant. And I want to give you four things this morning that have to do with that. The first is that in, in order to walk closely with God, we must keep God's commandments. Amen? How many of you know that if you don't do what God says do, God's not going to do for you what He said He could do for you? It's a quiet bunch early in the morning that we have to keep God's commandments. Listen, some things we need to understand about obedience. Obedience is a word that 
they're trying to remove from our society today. Oh, you don't need to be obedient. Man, just do your own thing. Just do your own thing. Just, just. I, I know that, 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 you know, that, that boss, you don't like him. He's a jerk. Well, he's a boss. What do you expect? It's his job. So I'm just not going to do what he says. Yes, you will, or you won't have a job. Amen? That's obedient. That's obedient. We told our children when they were growing up, it's safer to obey. Because if you don't obey, mommy or daddy one is going to get a wooden spoon and fire you up. To this day, we can be cooking and our grown children be in the kitchen and pick up, I pick up a wooden spoon and they go to the other room. It's called conditioning. <laughs> but we have to understand that, that God's desire is to bless us, but that that we negate that ability of God to bless us when we refuse to be obedient to what He says we ought to do. The problem with our country today is not politics. The problem with our country today is not education. The problem with our country today is obedience. Is that we have come to a point to where it is more important to all get along than it is to tell the truth. We are in trouble. We are in trouble. We need men and women of God who are willing to stand up and say, if it hair lips a devil, this is truth. Well, man, that's not very inclusive. No, it's not. Because the Bible teaches us that many people are not going to follow the way of God. That many people are not going to where we're going to. Amen? That's, I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. Why? Because of obedience. Obedience. Listen, the, 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 God requires that our obedience be wholehearted. Amen? Deuteronomy 26.16 says, The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Carefully observe them. Unfortunately, a lot of times when we get into trouble, it's because we get a little loose with the obedience thing. Now, I'm just talking about me. You know, you know what? And shake. I'm talking about shake. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about is that, that sometimes we're not necessarily in sin and we're not, you know hanging out places we shouldn't hang out and doing things that we shouldn't be doing, but we're not doing everything God told us to do. And that is disobedience. Amen? So we need to be wholeheartedly obedient. We need, there is a price for success. God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then, say then, then, you will be prosperous and successful. How do we become prosperous and successful? Well, society tells us that we just have to work harder. That's not the truth. I mean, we need to work hard, amen? If we're Christians and we work for somebody or we work for ourselves or we're a, a rancher or whatever it is, we need to work diligently. 
Because if we don't, we will never have any modicum of success. Amen? So there is a price for success. And the price for success is you have to give all that you have to God. Everything in the Bible seems backwards and turned upside down, doesn't it? Man, if, if, if you want to be prosperous, you've got to give away what you've got. If you want to live, you've got to die. It just doesn't seem right. But it's God's way. Amen? So this thing about obedience, that another thing is, the great thing is that it secures our entrance into the kingdom of God. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone, oh, wait a minute. That's not very inclusive. That's not very inclusive. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. How do you get to heaven? Do what God says do. See how simple that is? We want to make it hard. It's not hard. Just just do what God says do. Charles Stanley said one time, the acid test of our faith is our obedience. The acid test of our faith is our obedience. If you get somebody that says, man, yeah, I, I believe God, I trust God, but then they don't want to do what God says do, they're confused or they're a liar. See, because of obedience. We have to do what God says do. And can I tell you from my 50 years of being a Christian, I have never said, been able to say to the Lord, Lord, I'd like you to do it some other way and Him receive that. I just have to do it His way. You know, I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm an educated man. I'm educated way beyond my intelligence. But the one thing that I have learned is that if I do what God says do, everything works out okay. Well, you say, now, preacher, does that mean bad things don't happen? No. No, that's not what that means at all. Because we sometimes have to go through hell. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the second service. But I would rather walk through hell with Jesus at my side than I would have everything that mankind can give me. Amen? So we have to keep God's commandment. And then second, is that we have to, oh, you're not going to like this. I read it. I didn't like it. Key number two is that we have to pass God's test. And I don't know about you, but most of God's tests are not enjoyable tests. Now, some are, but most aren't. In the midst of trials, God's divine care sustains us, not our intellect. I don't know about you, but I always start there. I always start stupid. When something goes wrong, the first thing I do, I'm a guy. What do you do? You figure out how to fix it. Well, let me think. This happened. My kid's sick. What do I do? I take my kid to the doctor and find out what's wrong with him. He can shove some pills down. They'll, they'll be okay. No. Man, when we were raising our children and they got sick, you know what we did? We prayed for them. <laughs> and more often than not, God miraculously healed them right there. Our little son Josh was about three years old. 
and he had a tummy ache. And he came about, oh, we had gone to bed. It was 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. I don't know. And he comes and he gets up on the bed between us and he starts crying. I said, what's wrong? He said, Daddy said, I got a stomachache. I got a stomachache. I said, well, that's, we'll pray for you and God will heal you. So we start praying for him. And he looks up at the ceiling and says, hurry, God, hurry. <laughs> and that's how we raised our children. Now, today that they're adults, they just accuse me of, of you know, not wanting to spend the money. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that, that we, in the midst of God's tests, He cares for us. He takes care of us. Look what it says in verse 2 in Deuteronomy 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Why? To punish you? No. To humble you. To humble you. Forty years in the desert to humble them and to test you in order to know what was on your heart. To test you. You know, when tests come, we have to just sort of step back out of the thing and look at it and say, okay, now what is this? Why am I going through this? Did I mess up? Because often our greatest tests in life are not that we messed up and did anything. It's just that for some reason, God's trying to get our attention. And so, since I'm not too bright, sometimes he has to let me go through something to get my attention. Amen? My wife normally tells me about six weeks ahead of when I get to it. But we have to pass this test. Listen, Trials can be tests or it can be discipline. Either one. I said to my pastor yesterday, I said, can you tell me when to stop fasting? He said, what do you mean? I said, I've been fasting since December for something I want from God. You know my pastor. You know what he said to me? Pray through, son, pray through. Well, what does that mean? What that means is that if we're, I'm going through something, I'm not going to live there forever. That we're going to go through it. About a year, gosh, it's been the best part of two years now. A situation in our family put the whole family through living hell for a year. Nobody in this room knows anything about it. Nobody knew we were going through anything. And all we knew was when our children would cry out and say, Why is this happening? All I could say to them was, God has a reason that we are having to go through this. And I don't know what it is. But I know one thing. When we get through it to the other side, we will look back and say, that was God. That was God. So trials can be a test or it can be discipline. Just because you're going through a tough time doesn't mean God doesn't like you. Just because you're going through a tough time doesn't mean God is mad at you. It could just be that He's trying to get you to somewhere where you can hear what it is He's trying to whisper to you. Maybe He has something for you to do. 
Normally it's something you don't want to do. <laughs> but maybe he has something for you. So just because it's a trial doesn't mean it's discipline. It could just be a test. Amen? I believe that without God's discipline, we cannot call ourselves disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the problems as a pastor with children, with three boys, the problem with all that is that my children act just like your children. And for some people in the church, that's an issue. My children are supposed to be perfect. You know what I'm talking about? And so I would just say, you know, the people come, your son, you don't know what your son did. And I would say, look, I'm sorry my son acts like your kids. But we can pray through together. I lost more church members that way. <laughs> but just because we're going through something doesn't mean it's the enemy. I think often we give the enemy way too much credit. That is not when you get through to the other side, man, you look back and you go, I wasn't a devil. I was God. But how do you get through it? You just get through it. My sons go, but Dad, I don't understand. What do I do? Can I read a verse? Can I sing a song? You know, what do I do? And I go, no, just get through it. Just get through it. So just because the road is rough doesn't mean that it's the enemy. Amen? Number three, key number three. Oh, I don't like this one. I, anybody here besides me that stuff in the Bible you don't particularly care for? Yeah. All right, let's just be honest. My old buddy Johnny Cook used to say, just tell the truth and shame the devil. I don't like this part, but I'm going to share it anyway. Amen? Key number three is wait on God. Yeah, see, I'm not alone there. Wait on God. Listen, stop looking at where you are and start looking at where God's taking you. We went through a period in our life when our children were very young that financially our world just sort of fell apart. I couldn't find a job. Man, I was used to making a six-figure income in the industry that I was in and was well-known in that industry. And any time I'd ever needed a job before, I'd just get on the phone, call one guy, boom, I'm, a, I'm employed. We couldn't find a job. Doing anything. And so rather than you know, beat my wife, I went to talk to my pastor. And I said, what can I do? I had to admit to somebody I needed some help. That's the hard part, guys. I had to admit I, I wasn't as, you know, good as I thought I was. And so for a period of time, a lot, more than a year, one of the elders in the church had a landscaping business, and I spent the next couple of years plugging holes in the ground and shoving plants in. Me, Dr. Kennedy. I was a plant plugger. <laughs> Why? Because it, it, I, I was just, I would do anything to feed my family. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm going to teach you how to give. And I chuckled. And I said, Lord, that's easy. I don't have anything. <laughs> You're going to get through my wallet in a hurry. <laughs> and 
And the Lord spoke to me and he said, stop looking at where you are and look at where I'm going to take you. And I thought, you know what? I received that. And as soon as I received that, within days, things began to turn around in our life. So don't live in the now, live in the kingdom. Don't live in the now, live in the kingdom. I'm in pain, or I'm supposed to be. I was in pain this morning when I got up. And I told my wife, I said, I'm so tired of this pain, I'm just going to pray it off. I'm not in pain. I'm fine. Amen? So don't live in the now, live in the kingdom. Don't live in doubt, live under the spout where the glory comes out. Don't live in your pain. Look at where God's taking you. Amen? Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, Therefore the Lord will wait that He may be gracious to you. The Lord waits on us. You ever done that with your children? I said to one of my sons the other day, I said, what is wrong with you? You know, do you ha- are you mentally handicapped? There's got to be something wrong with you the way you're acting. He said, no, nah, Dad, I'm just being stupid. So revelation came to him in a hurry, amen? But God waits on us. God, oh, man. This is revelation. Listen. God is going to wait on us until we get straight with him before he can use us to do anything he called us to do. God is going to, God is not going to throw us out there in the middle of it and say, well, he's not ready, but bless, I'm going to stick him out there anyway. Now, we do that in church all the time. Come on now. Boy, they're getting quiet. Are they always this quiet? That he, that's God, may have mercy on you. In other words, God is waiting on us to exalt him so he can give us his mercy. Psalm 40, verse 1 says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. I don't know about you folks, but like I told you, I'm, I'm just, I've pretty well been a mess most of my life. And without my wife, I'd probably just be dead. I said to my wife one time, we we're reading over there in Isaiah, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And I'm thinking, oh, I hate that verse. I told my wife, she'll tell you, I said, give me a pen. I'm going to scratch this out of my Bible. And I'm going to put those that wait on the Lord, get tired of waiting. That's the truth in my life. And then she reminded me what it says over in Revelation about adding to or taking away from. And with great wisdom, I said, I don't need that pen. Amen. He heard my cry. Oh, that's a great verse. That's a great verse. He heard my cry. Folks, listen. God can hear your cry, not just on the mountaintop, but God can hear your cry in the valley of the shadow of death. God doesn't need any assistance hearing us. 
What he needs is for us to be still and hear him. Amen? The psalmist said in Psalm 37, verse 7 uh, 7 through 9, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I don't know about you, but I've never done a real good job at that. I I don't wait well. When I decided I wanted to marry this blonde on the second row, I went to her house, set her up on the counter in the kitchen, and said to her, you and I are getting married. Now, I know you've heard me say she asked me to marry her, but that's a lie. (laughs) I said to her, you and I are getting married. I didn't ask her. Fortunately for me, she said, okay. Caught her at a weak moment. She said, okay. And then she said, "Um, when do you want to get married? I said, tomorrow is fine with me. No, she didn't want to do that. She wanted a, she's a princess and she deserved a princess wedding. Amen. So I had to wait. And she said, well, let's do this date in December. And I said, no, no, no. I cannot wait that long. I am an impatient man. So finally we agreed that we would get married in October. I got that right, didn't I, baby? See, I'll get points today. Why? Because I was impatient. Could we have waited? I guess we could, but I'd have been miserable for those last two months. Amen? The psalmist goes on to say, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. I don't know about you, but when I deal with my sons, I deal with them more about that verse than anything in the Bible. They say, Dad, you've been, you've been wrong. People have abused you. They've lied about you. Yeah. Unfortunately for a preacher, that comes with the deal. You know, you're going to be a no-good slug to somebody somewhere sometime. It's just a facts of life. I don't like it. I like for people to like me. Amen? But sometimes people don't like you. But we have to not fret. Because if we fret, it only causes harm. It develops a seed of bitterness. And bitterness is a pill we swallow hoping to kill somebody else. It's foolish. It's foolish. We need to remember the Lord. Listen, prosperity is not success. It's part of the test. My dear grandmother probably never saw uh, any kind of substantial money. Not probably. She didn't. Listen, her and granddaddy were sharecroppers. They, they worked somebody else's land in western Tennessee. And then when my daddy was nine years old, his 38-year-old father died. Now you got a widow lady with four children. Nowhere to turn. The church really wasn't helpful. Nowhere to turn. And yet God took care of them because she was a woman of God. The day I was born, she told my father, that boy will be a preacher. 
That didn't impress my daddy. He didn't think much of preachers. But she was right. Amen? Why? Because she had waited, she had prayed. She said, God, we need another preacher in this family. Instead of one for that generation, God gave her two. Amen? <clears throat> so sometimes prosperity isn't success. Just because you've got a lot of money and a big house and a big car doesn't necessarily mean you're where God wants you to be. It could be a test. Remember, what did Jesus say to the, the, the young rich man when he said, Man, I've done everything the book says. Everything I've done, all ten commandments, I've obeyed every one of them. Jesus said, you know what? Go sell everything you've got and come back and see me. And it says that he went away sorrowful because he could not do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Surely that's got to be a misinterpretation. I'm going through cancer. I'm supposed to give thanks. My children are in trouble. I'm supposed to give thanks. My marriage is a wreck. I'm supposed to give thanks. God, what do you mean by that? He means exactly what he says. Amen? Amen? So we have to remember the Lord, and when we're going through difficult times, we can look back and we can say, Yes! I'm going through hell right now. But let me tell you, I remember when it was worse. I remember when it was worse. I remember when we had to sell everything we had, when we had a storage unit and they took my unit because I couldn't give them some cash. I was just, we just went through hell. Everybody in the family was sick. Nothing was going right. Mama didn't like daddy. Daddy didn't like mama. The kids were yelling at each other. But God took me through that. And because God took me through that, He can take me through that. He can take me through the... Listen, we have to remember the Lord. We have a duty to remember the Lord. Deuteronomy 4.9 says this. I'm almost done. I know you're tired of listening to me. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget... Watch this. Lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and grandchildren. What do we do? We sow into our children and then they go away and they bring somebody else back with them. And then after a couple of years goes by, then they bring us babies and we like that a lot. We like, even my children that I don't like, I like when they bring me a grandbaby, amen? <laughs> but it says, so, so diligently keep yourself that you don't forget what you've seen God do. What you've seen God do. I called a friend of mine uh, over in Arkansas, Charles Jacobs. He has a healing ministry. And this guy's a real deal. I mean, his heart was destroyed. Two of the three chambers of his heart were completely destroyed. There are pictures of it in the book. And God re restored his heart and gave him a new one. And said to him, if you will go tell people what I did for you, I'll do it for them. And God bless my friend, Pastor Charles Jacobs. And he said, leave me alone, Lord, I'm fine. I don't want to go. And God just kept after him, kept after him, kept after him. Finally said, oh, okay, I'll go. The phone rang. And it was a fellow I know in Texarkana, Arkansas. 
And he said, Pastor Charles, I don't even know why I'm calling you, but the Lord told me to call you that you're supposed to come to my church and hold a meeting. What's this about? Charles said, I'm not real sure, but I will come if you'll have me. And so he came. And he got up, and before he could get through his sermon, people began coming to the front. He never got to finish his sermon. He went down to people all over the place. More than 100 people got healed that day, miraculously healed by the Spirit of God because he remembered going through bad times to get where he needed to go. Amen? Now, last part of that verse says, and teach your children and your grandchildren. Listen, I, I tell people all the time, I, they say, well, my, gun, my daughter doesn't want me to influence her children. Well, just teach your grandchildren anyway. Teach them about God, whether their parents want to, want to or not. Just because you raise stupid children doesn't mean you should have lost grandchildren. I mean, somebody need to hear that. It is not my child's job to tell me what to do. In fact, I have authority as a father over him. So if he comes to me and says, I don't want my child learning about Jesus, well, he can be stupid as he wants, but I'm going to teach that baby about Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you, but this has been a joy for me. And I'm looking forward to doing it again here in a little bit. Amen? Amen. Can we just stand and pray? How do we walk closer with God? It's real simple. You can sum it up in one paragraph. Do what God says do, and God will do what He said He'll do. Amen? It is his desire to bless us. He would rather bless us than do anything else. So let's just do what God said to Would you pray with me? Father God, we lift you up this morning and acknowledge that you are the giver of all wisdom, every ounce of it, of all knowledge, and that you are a compassionate God and that your desire is to bless us, that you have written our name in the palm of your hand, that you might never forget us. And God, you know what we're going through. And some of us are just stepping into that difficulty. Some of us are almost out of it. And some are out Wherever we stand this morning, God, we know one thing. In the midst of your love, there is peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that we may live in it until the day 